Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to After the Fact. Hello, good evening, and welcome to After the Fact, all about 1916. Yes, good evening and welcome, and thank you for joining us here on Clamars Community Radio tonight for our weekly trivia quiz game, After the Fact. In this, the fourth series of After the Fact, all the shows are about particular years. And tonight's year is way back in time, over 100 years ago, to 1916. Now, let's go and meet the teams tonight. In front of us on the blue team. Introduce yourself, please. Oh, apologies. Hi, I'm Anne. I'm a teacher. Hello, Anne, and welcome back. Your second episode you, of the John. series. And Anne's teammate is coming to us via the medium of Skype. Good evening, too. Hi, I'm Dan, and I do things with computers. He does things with computers. Ooh, sounds, sounds ominous, doesn't it? Okay, Not right now, Dan, for next hour, though, okay? <laughs> Promise? Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> and you're welcome back. It's your second uh, episode of the series. That's right. Yeah. And uh, across the table we go. We've Both players are here in front of me, so say hello, too. Uh, hi, I'm Brendan Cox, and I also do things with computers. Oh, it's a computer off between those two voices. <laughs> Hello, I'm Elaine, and I work with people who have special needs. You're welcome, Elaine. Welcome back. Thanks. And for both of you, it's your second episode. So we're already into people We're repeating. not virgins at this This, this season. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So best of luck, everybody. Uh, let's go and meet the final member of our team, who is, of course... Our robot scorekeeper, Clancy. Good evening to Clancy. Good evening, everyone. I had terrific fun sorting out the Pate News Reels for today's show. <sighs> Thank you, Clancy. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Let us begin with round one. It's our multiple choice round. In this round, each player will get a question to themselves with three possible answers. If they can give me the right answer on their own, they get two points for their team. They can choose to confer... If they do, they're only in line to get one point. Any wrong answer, we'll see it go across to either side who can get a bonus. Um, we're on an even number, which means we're starting with the blue team. Okay. So Anne and Dan, uh, I don't know. We always seem to never forget to think to sort these things out beforehand. Who wants to go first? Well, in the age-old tradition of chivalry, Anne, feel free to go first. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. La- ladies first, I don't. I don't think, yeah, I'll go first. Right. I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference. And your question is very historical. Uh-huh. World War One, of course, was raging throughout 1916. On January 29th of that year, the city of Paris was bombed by what method for the first time ever? So was it A, by Zeppelin? Was it B, by aeroplane? Or was it C, by rocket? No, I think... I'm going to confer because I did a little bit on that, but I think from my research, uh, it would have to be either Zeppelin or Rocket, but I'm not sure which. Um, so Dan, can we Dan, confer? I'm going to, I would nudge it towards Zeppelin. I have a Zeppelin, feeling I think, that... I think it probably was Zeppelin because I, yeah, I, I, yeah. And it's, I want, you know, I hope it's right. Obviously bombing bad and all that, but it just kind of, the image of being bombed by something really slow moving where yes. you have plenty of time to get out of the way it's a nice image it is a nice thing okay. yeah but it would be a, yeah I think the zeppelins were certainly used so early in the war so you're going for zeppelins yeah and it's correct for one point well done okay across we go Brendan Arlane who's going first for you I can't really follow up the uh, age of chivalry by not doing the same myself <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> don't expect too much <laughs> Elaine. Yeah. In 1991, which legendary rock group released an album entitled 1916? (laughs) Was it A, Motorhead, B, Deep Purple, or C, Guns N' Roses? Well, I think it was Motorhead. You do? I do. You're correct. Two points. Thank you. Dan, are you ready? Yep. 
Which team won the 1916 All-Ireland Senior Football Final, Dan? The second of what would turn out to be four in a row. Was it A, Kerry, B, Wexford, or C, Kildare? Ooh. You know, I'm going to confer on that. Okay, so Anne, you're in play. Now, Dan, I don't know where this is coming from, and I could be very wrong, but I think it might be Kildare. If you've half an inkling, that's better than my zero inkling. So let's go with Kildare. You're going with Kildare? Uh, yeah, I think Kerry came along a lot, a bit later than that. Okay. Uh, so I know the East Coast counties were kind of... Okay. I'm afraid that is the wrong noise. So across we go. Potential bonus here for the red team. Wexford. Wexford, says Brendan. He knew that one. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, the dominant power in the late teens <laughs> in Gaelic football. Wexford. Okay, Brendan, this is your question now. Okay. Sir Ernest Shackleton, Tom Crean, and four of their companions completed an heroic 800-mile open boat journey in 1916. With the purpose of enabling the rescuing of the remaining members of their crew, they left Elephant Island uh, in Antarctica on 24th of April. And finally, on May 8th, landed on which island in the South Atlantic? So here are three islands, the South Atlantic. Which one did Shackleton and his, crew and his uh, mates land on? Was it A, the Falkland Islands, B, Kerguelen Island, or C, South Georgia? I'm going to come first straight away. Okay. So between the two of you guys, Sir Ernest Shackleton, Tom Crean, and four of their companions, no 800 miles in an open rowboat with a bit of a sail. Where did they land? Was it A, the Falklands, B, Kerguelen, or C, South Georgia? South Georgia. South Georgia? Uh, oh, he sounds hesitant. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that's the only one that I would be leaning towards, but again, it was before my time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your answer? Yeah, yeah final answer. South Georgia oh, gets you the point. Guess. A good guess. Well done. Put our hands up for that one. Always. Everything's a guess. It's going to be a guessing hour. (laughs) All right. Well, that's the end of round one. Let's go over to Clancy and check how the score stand. Blue team one point. Red team four points. So it's a four points to one lead for the red team. Okay. On we go at round two. This is our connections round. In this round, the teams will be given two pieces of information. If they can tell us what links them and tonight's team... They get three points. They can ask for a third and then a fourth piece of information should they wish, but they will be playing for two and one points respectively. Any wrong answer, we'll see it go immediately across, no matter when in the round it is, and all four pieces of information will be given for a potential one-point bonus. Starting with the team that's trailing, that's the blue team, Anne and Dan. Your first two pieces of information are Michael Joseph O'Rahilly and Tom Kettle. Oh, Dan, I definitely have heard of Tom Kettle. Uh, it's ringing the very faint of the bells, but... No, I've, I, I actually... I, I know Kettle um, was killed um, in one of the battles in 1916. So... Could that be it then? Could it be notable people or maybe first people killed in the Battle of... I don't know that it was necessarily even the first people killed I think th- were they both subjects of a book maybe or something mm. we get do you know we get another bit of information I think you're, yeah, yeah let's do that yeah okay we've got Michael Joseph O'Rahilly Tom Kettle and Herbert Kitchener ooh now I presume that's the famous uh, Lord Kitchener of war war poster fame so they were all kind of poster boys then in some class. They were, they were, their persona was being used to promote and, and encourage all the conscription. Well, maybe, yeah. So, yeah, I think either they were leaders, as we mentioned already, or maybe that, that literally they were poster boys. I don't, yeah, I don't think Tom Kettle... Punch? Will we get one more just in case? Well, you've got the one more left, if you want it. What do you reckon? <sighs> it's so vague. We might as well. Oh, go on, so. All right. Michael Joseph O'Rahilly, Tom Kettle, Herbert Kitchener, and Roger Casement. Oh. So they all died in 1916. That makes most sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously Casement certainly Casement did. Casement did, and Kettle definitely did. 
All right, well, we go for that then. Yeah. It's good for a point. Okay. Yes. Just as well, I wouldn't have got it from the other three, too. There are oh, likewise. <clears throat> significant people who uh, died in 1916. Yeah. Uh, Roger Casement was executed uh, yeah. for treason by the British government. Herbert Kitchener, the, as you said, the Lord Kitchener of the Your Country Needs You poster, he was on a warship that was sank oh, right. in 1916, and he went down with it. Tom Kettle, a poet and politician, yeah. he died uh, on the Western Front. And Michael Joseph O'Rahilly, who called himself The O'Rahilly. The O'Rahilly, of course. Oh, he, of course. he got uh, killed in the Easter Rising. Easter Rising, yeah. Okay, that's one point for you. Across we go to the red team. Are you ready? Yep. Yep. Charles E. Hughes and Thomas R. Marshall. Charles E. Hughes and Thomas R. Marshall. It's not doing anything for me. No, I've got nothing. We go straight for a second. Yeah. Go yeah. On. In we go. Okay, so add on to Charles E. Hughes and Thomas R. Marshall, November the 7th. Ah. I remember well. <laughs> yeah, it was a Friday, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think something happened on November 7th. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan I'd, I'd follow that line of logic. Mm-hmm. So the rising and all that stuff happened in Easter and, and, and around that. Hmm. is they all... <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. He wouldn't give us that, would he? Yeah, it'd be strange. Yeah, <laughs> but it is strange. I always like this uh, when people are conferring and it's just like... All you're hearing you're, is kind yeah, of snippets. You're hearing yeah, just little hints yeah, of what yeah, they're talking about. Yeah. We don't really know. Hughes and Marshall. Hughes would be an Irish name. Marshall. I'm trying to think if it relates to Ireland or if it relates to the war. I suppose all we can do is... like that. That to me is a valid guess, what you were saying, but... I just think when we have another clue to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have another one. Yeah. All right, here you go. <coughs> we'll go for one. The fourth and final clue. So now we've got Charles E. Hughes, Thomas R. Marshall, November 7th, and Woodrow Wilson. Okay. Oh, number th- November. So these are all guys who ran in the U.S. presidential election. Uh... Uh, the only thing I can, the only thing I'm getting that from is because I know the election is normally in November, and Wood- Woodrow Wilson was the U.S. president, or unless it was uh, second term. But okay, okay. I'm going to talk myself out of it. So I'm going to say that uh, the U.S. presidential election. So Woodrow Wilson indeed won his second U.S. election. So it was really. November 7th of 1916, bringing along with him Thomas R. Marshall, his vice president. Uh-huh. And they defeated Mr. Charles E. Hughes of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, back we go to well the blue team. Anne and Dan, your yes. first two pieces of info are Michael Robarts and the dancer. That's one clue. And he resigned his part in the casual comedy. You're giving me what? a bad look now. Okay, can you please repeat that? Because <laughs> I can't make out which is one and which is two. Right. First one. Michael Robarts and the dancer. Mm-hmm. And Robarts is spelt R-O-B-A-R-T-E-S. I'm presuming Robarts. Could be Robertes. Yes, John, it could be. Could be. And then the next one is a quote, I suppose we'll say. He has resigned his part in the casual comedy. Casual comedy? What could that mean? Not a clue. In in the casual comedy, is it? Uh, yes, Anne. Yes. yes this is meaning nothing to me at all. How about you? Uh, absolutely nothing. Now it could be uh, um, like it has to. I'm, well, no, I'm, I don't want to say too much that might send us off in a wrong direction. But it seems more like a Nazi or performance kind of a thing. But maybe it's not. Could. It could be, but then what could it be? Either way, I don't think we have enough even to fashion a guess. No, I don't think so either. Okay, here comes uh, clue three. Yeah. Michael Roberts and the dancer. He has resigned his part in the casual comedy, McDonough and McBride. 
Hmm. A lot of ands. I'm sorry. There's, every clue is very long in this particular question. McDonough and McBride. Well, that seems to connect it to Easter Rising or yeah. Tom, Thomas, something Irish Thomas anyway. Thomas McDonough and John McBride. So could it be a quote oh, about... Oh, 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 hang on. oh. I think we heard a penny dropping on, over here. Dan. Wait a minute. It could be an artsy thing. Because oh. I am thinking it could be something to do with the Yates brothers. Okay. Um, it could be WB Yates, Easter 1916. Ooh, I like that thought. So things mentioned in the poem, perhaps. Yeah. I think it's worth the punt. Getting one more uh, thing, I don't think it's going to make any difference, is it? I, I don't think so. We risk it because we're way behind at this I, stage. Yeah, I think we need to risk it, yeah. Okay. WB Yates, Easter 1916. Whoa! <laughs> well, done. well done. I wouldn't have got that. And if the quotation wasn't there, Excellent. I wouldn't have. Excellent work, Anne. Uh, and Dan, well done, Dan. I'm backing her up. Oh no, it's all Anne. <laughs> oh no, Dan. I I need moral support in any of these things. <laughs> we didn't so. get to uh, clue four. A terrible beauty is born. A terrible beauty is born. Which would have is given it to us. The yeah. most famous line in the poem. Yeah. Uh, McDonald McBride are mentioned, as you know. They are. Yeah. Uh, that is a quote. He has resigned his part in the casual comedy. Kind of figured it. Yeah. And finally, Michael Robarts and the dancer is the name of the title of uh, poems that this was included in by Yeats when he first ah, published it. Right. All right. Final was question. That, was oh. that one or two points? Two points. Two points. Oh. Two points. Yeah. Well done. Closing the gap. Can we have one that's a little bit less highbrow, John, <laughs> than that one? <laughs> More eyebrow. Go as lowbrow as you want. Yeah, yeah. Wood rabbit. Have you started? Wood rabbit. Okay. And Taisho 5. Spell Taisho? T-A-I-S-H-O and the O has a horizontal bar above it. Of course it does. Not a father, but a horizontal bar. Taisho 5? As in the number 5? The number 5. Taisho 5 is alive. It's Japanese original short circuit. In uh, black and white silent uh, short yeah. circuit. <laughs> Something to do with that. Because that was mm. kind of starting off then, I think. So we have Wood Rabbit and Taisho 5. So do you reckon that? It's just that I think it started around that time. Like whether they Wood, yeah, that, that, that sounds a bit more... That one does, that one doesn't particularly. Yeah. I, I don't um, know. But it, it's a good... Um, I think a third one would, yeah, yeah, it would. would tell us. Yeah. We'll go for uh, another. Okay, we've got Wood Rabbit. Taisho 5... 1334 to 1335. Jeez. That's... No idea. Should we get another one? <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep it moving. 3034. Is that a premium lager? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that totally blew us out of the water anyway, was what we thought. Uh, I suppose we can Toy Show 5 this when one you is, said it I, in this your accent I thought you were saying Toy Show I thought you said Toy Show as well yeah. and I was like geez, the late, late, it's not that old <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it is a hard one I'll grant you that so do you want the final clue yeah, yeah. Wood Rabbit Toy Show 5 1334 to 1335 and MCMXVI There's only one thing I can think of, and that's that those those letters, Roman numerals. Um, no, it's too it, it's too uh, too obscure. Do you know the uh, the? He does obscure. The, at the end of the movies and the the lion head and all yeah, that. And yeah, Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Yeah, stuff like that. Unless the other guys are, but um, studios are. Like, how, how would you categorize them? <laughs> what they are? Yeah. I don't even know how to word All the will answer. be clear when the answer is revealed, I hope. But Wood Rabbit. Wood Rabbit. Wood Rabbit. Taisho 5, 1334 to 1335, and MCM XVI. And I must ask you for an answer. <clears now. throat> 
unless you're not, you want to gather actually. like what what that is in real money. In in real money, yeah. yeah. What is it? I don't. Know. Oh, I have a clue. Numbers. <laughs> MCN, MCN. But now I don't expect you to expect us to know it though. Oh. Anne is showing me her workings over here. <laughs> um, Awful, yeah, very obscure. Very obscure. She thinks she has it. No. Okay. Nothing to do with anime. <laughs> Pardon, Lynn? Nothing to do with anime, is it? An anime. Bit early for the anime, I'd say. No. I don't Dan. I have an inkling. Have I an have inkling? as well. I know the last thing is definitely 1916. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is that it's the representation of 1916 in different calendars. So 1334, 1335. I think the Islamic calendar is, I mean, we're currently in year 14 something on the Islamic calendar. So I'm thinking it might be that year wow. in different calendars. So, so you are so clever. That's exactly what it is. And so, it's Taisho 5 as in whatever something. Must be a Japanese, Japanese calendar, calendar and then the first oh, one Wood Rabbit. Yeah. 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 Oh my Dan, I you will. Well done. I'm so yeah, I, good. I bow down to your superior. <laughs> Brilliant Dan, Lucky well guess, done. Brilliant. Well done. Yes indeed. They all are the year 1916, 1916. expressed in, in various different, different calendars of yeah. the world with the MCM so on as Brendan knows. The but the only one I knew was the way Roman of doing one. The calendar, <laughs> Very good. And what is Wood Rabbit? That was a Chinese year of the wood rabbit. Uh, I never, I never realised the they went rabbit. into different types of rabbit. Right? Yeah. Of yeah. The, yeah. Year the rat year or the, the year of the rabbit. The wood rabbit. And what's Taisho 5 then? Jap- as Dan said, your teammate, the Japanese year. Well, I know, yeah, but how, what does... They were, at that point in the empire in Japan, they basically, it was the fifth year of the reign of, of the, the reign of Taisho. Taisho. Oh, right, of course. Okay. okay. So with that, with that event, let us now go and check the scores. Oh, great, John. First air break. Blue two five points. Red two five points. Sides are level. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in two minutes time. Please do not go away. You're welcome back to After the Fact, the weekly trivia quiz game here on Claremore's Community Radio. After two rounds, all about 1916, the sides are deadlocked on five points each. They are the blue team of Anne McLaughlin and Dan O'Malley. And the red team of Brendan Cox and Elaine Wright. Yo. Since they're level, we don't know who's going to go first in the third round. Except that we tossed a coin, and now we do know. It will be the blue team. Yeah. I had a lot of fun compiling an audio round for 1916. I bet you did. So, as always, I want the artist and the song title. Excepting in number four, which is going to be a piece of classical music, which point I will want the composer rather than the artist. Dan, I hope you have some inkling of this because <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid now. OK, so here we go with song number one. Never a teardrop fall When your sweet little laughter is like some fairy song And your eyes twinkle bright as can be You should laugh all the while And all other times smile And now smile a smile for me OK, so there was song number one. Blue Team. I could hmm. hazard a guess at the performer, but not a clue as to what the name of the song is. Well, uh, well e, I I likewise. Uh, John McCormick, maybe? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But sure, it's no use to us without the name of the, t- the song, is it? Well, we get a point for the artist, don't no, we? No, you do not, Dan O'Malley. You do not. Oh, no. Oh, no yeah. fair. I feel terrible for you. <laughs> <laughs> so he's hardly going to have played the title during the snippet of lyrics there, so we'll have to you know, make something Light up. One up. Yeah. Yeah. Unless unless it's a well-known song, we just don't recognise it because we haven't got to the well-known part yet. I th- yeah, I think it's... Um, I mean, it's hardly likely to be like the Rose of Tralee or something, is it? No, it isn't. Uh, that wasn't one of his anyhow. And to be honest, even the voice doesn't sound very John McCormick. It sounds a little bit... He had a more kind of... He had a fairly strong baritone. Oh, okay. I'll have to trust you on that. I, other than John McCormick, I. Uh, but that, literally, I was I, I was listening to him. And I was going, that was the only one that came to mind for me. Yeah. So have you got a song title for me? Hmm. I'd say it was. Can you think of any songs of the era? No. I think if we had maybe another little bit of it. Well, he was about like, to break into the chorus when I faded it down. So yeah. Yes. So I'm going to have to push you for an answer. 
No, I can't. I, I really, honestly. When Irish eyes are smiling, which it isn't, but is it not? Is it? Looks safe. <laughs> Hey! Oh my oh. God! <laughs> didn't sound like it. Didn't sound like it. Did it? I Talk don't know where that came from. Rope a dope. Hail Mary, they call that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and you don't even know how good you are sometimes, then. <laughs> Dan, we are really. <laughs> Someone's looks in tonight. Okay, right. Two subsequent questions on. John McCormack there performing when Irish eyes are smiling. Right. Number one. In 1914, McCormack became the first artist to record which famous World War One song? Oh, God. I would hazard a guess, because when I hear famous World War One song, it's a long way to Tipperary springs to mind. It, so, it would have to be, yeah. Is that your answer? Yeah. It's all coming up. McCormack knowledge is flying out of here. Well then tell me, in what Midlands County was John McCormack born in 1884? Oh, and that's, I, I know what town he was born in. He was born in Athlone. Oh, but there's well a then. problem there, isn't there? I'd say you're pretty safe. <laughs> the town hadn't grown that big. So it, has, oh, it was on both sides of the Shannon, though. Um, but I, it has that's to be sneaky. West. I mean, if it's Athlone, I mean, it has to be Westmead. Has to be, doesn't it? Westmead. There That's you go. Done. Lack of confidence equals all three points right. Wow. I'm going to try the same trick. Yeah, well. Okay. So over we go, guys. Uh, Wikipedia informs me that this was the biggest selling record of 1916. And it's for you. Here we go. Okay, so, again, please, artist and song title. Oh, artist, I forgot about that. Oh, God. Um. I don't even, I, I, I'm not even confident about that one. Any contemporaries of... Um, the Cornetto song. Yeah, <laughs> the Cornetto song. The Cornetto song. By Fat Giuseppe. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you see, I mean, yeah. who was Fat Giuseppe based on? I just made that up. I have no idea. <laughs> if you remember the ad, it was... Uh, Oh. Luciano Pavarotti. <laughs> Bit before his time. Um. <laughs> I, 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 just, I was just, just speculating. thinking out loud, you? <laughs> you said it very decisively. Humorously so, I thought. You're wrong. Oh, I, we go. Potential uh, bonus. Dan, I know. Oh, she knows. Oh, do you? I do. Oh, Because well, it was one of the few things I Googled. <laughs> Most popular song in It's Caruso. And also uh, Olivia. Uh, correct, correct, <laughs> correct well all around. Well done. There. Yes, that was uh, Enrico Caruso there yeah. with Oso Mio. There were three oh, songs. Mind. And in actual fact, the song you picked for John McCormack wasn't on the list for 1916. No, but I wanted something easy, I thought, that people yeah, would know the Yeah, just as well, because I couldn't remember the other one anyhow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Two questions for you, Brendan and Elaine. Okay. Which other famous tenor played Caruso in the 1951 MGM biopic? The Great Caruso. I'm just careful to say anything in case you don't say an anything. Jump in with Pavarotti. Say, ask me that question again. Which other famous tenor oh. played Caruso in the 1951 MGM biopic, The Great Caruso? Would it be him? I don't know any other I, I, I honestly have, have no clue. Uh, Mario Lanza. Oh, well, no. Wow. Yeah, yeah, well, well done. Knowledge of <laughs> 1950s tenors is actually stronger than you thought. <laughs> well done. Caruso sauce is a warm sauce named after the original tenor. It's made of cream, ham, cheese, nuts and mushrooms. Sounds nice. It's typically served with pasta and it was first created in the 1950s, around the time of the movie, in which South American country? Russo sauce. That's a hell of a segue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Russo sauce. South American country. Uh, <gasps> what are you thinking? I'm thinking we should temporarily swap out Anne. <laughs> 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 
What do you reckon, Anne? Do we have an inkling, or are we just going to have to guess around them South American country that's not chilly? I have an inkling, but I don't know, is it a South American or a Central American country that I'm thinking of? Well, say, say it out me loud. You're not, you're not saying it's John Okay, John's if I now. confer, it's, it's okay, is it? No, I'm just thinking of the era. Put on your conferring voice. Uh, Cuba would have been very popular for the kind of the jet set at that point in time. Go for that, yeah. But I don't well, know. Is, no, that, is that Central America? Say, I think it's, yeah, exactly, Caribbean. I mean, John, you said South America, right? Say South America, Dan, yes. Hey. Okay. So it's going to have to be, you know. It has to be Argentina the, or Brazil. Argentina or, you know. So what do you reckon? I mean, Argentina. maybe play the odds, go for a bigger country. Argentina, Argentina. perhaps. Is that your answer? Argentina. Argentina. Mm. Yes. If you weren't far off, it's <laughs> Uruguay. Uh, no, I wouldn't have guessed. In a restaurant I wouldn't in have guessed Uruguay. Montevideo. Okay, back we go to uh, the blue team for the third piece of music. This is a piece of music that actually predates 1916, but here it is in a 1916 recording by its original composer. Is this us? This is you. Oh, sorry. Here we go. Well, I was giving I, you a clue to say that that was actually performed by the composer. Oh, right. Okay. Ah. Well, I think I know this one. Do you? Brilliant. Um, Off you go. Take it to the house. Uh, well, I had the pleasure of rewatching The Sting recently, classic movie, and it uses a lot of his tunes. Yeah. Uh, Scott Joplin, and, King of Ragtime. Yes. And I think the song is called The Entertainer. Oh, right. thank you, Dan. Well done, Dan. I love when this happens. <laughs> He's already got the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the entertainer found new fame in the 1970s, Dan, when it was used as the theme song to which next in 1973 movie? The Sting. I wonder what that could be. <laughs> the Sting, perhaps? <laughs> okay, this one he hasn't mentioned already, I'm glad to note. Completed by Joplin in 1910, it was never performed in full until 1972. Trimonisha is one of just two examples of this type of musical art form created by Scott Joplin. What is it? Dan, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Uh, spell the name for me, John. T R E E M O N I S H A. So, musical form. So, it could be something like like an opera or a ballet or something that he, or symphony even. You know, so, something that he it's wasn't. T R E E. Tree. All one word though. Tree Manisha. Tree Manisha. Tree Manisha. And he just got. What nationality was Joplin? He's American, I think. He was American. Mm-hmm. So, Tree completed Manisha. by Joplin in 1910, it was never performed in full until 1972. Tree Manisha is one of just two examples of this type of musical art form created by Scott Joplin. Musical art form. So it makes me think, I mean, could be something like an opera? No, it's it's one of only two of this musical art form. Created yeah, by so he, cre- he created two. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, yes. So it could be an opera or an opera. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. He, okay. wasn't, he wasn't known for operas, so I mean, I'm not saying it is opera, but just yeah, okay. Let's what else it. could it be? Yeah, you know? you're right. Go rap. with it. Opera. It could be rap. Yes. It is an opera. Well done, Dan. Well done, Dan. Lucky guess. Okay, <laughs> Brendan Elaine, we've reached the classical music piece. Goody. Goody, goody. This was uh, written in 1916, and. Uh, I'll give you a clue. There's an astronomical theme. So, here you go.
Okay, there you go. There's a piece of music. Yeah. <laughs> That's a piece of music, all right. What was the question again? <laughs> Composer and title. And title. Ah. And I gave you a clue. Yeah, you More did. than I gave an out to the side for any of them. Mm. Yeah. Composer. To be honest, John, I, like I would feel very kindly disposed to give him a decent clue on that one because it's astronomical. Quite, I said astronomical. Yeah, but that was the suite of the planets. Okay, so let's tease out that. Okay. Oh, so it's one of them. <laughs> no. Um, you will have to give me the composer as well, though. Yeah. Um, the planets. Saturn. I'm conferring here, John. That's fine. He's yeah. thinking out loud. Yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> He's listing planets. I've, it's uh, not, yeah. I've, I've gathered what's happening. <laughs> Uranus. Yeah. Or Uranus, as I like to call it now. Uranus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, I'm trying to think of classical music, and, and you would think that if you name all the planets, uh, that one of them might stick and say, oh, yeah, I've heard of a classical song called that. It, was it? It wasn't him who wrote them. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. This is completely out of right. my uh, I, I look, comfort I'll, zone. I'll be nice and take planets if you give me the composer. Oh. The only, the only, um, the only one that I know of, you know, that did anything in 1916. And again, I could be completely wrong here. Go for it. Is uh, that was the spelling? Dvorak. 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 I'm afraid it's not. Cross we go. Dan. Well, I mean, if it is is the planets, then Gustav Holst was Ah. the the composer. But Ah. I don't know if it is the planets. I don't recognise it. What do you think? Uh, That's as good as any. I'll tell you, the only thing that came to my mind as I was listening to it was it sounds a little bit like Carnival of the Animals, but... I'd, I think I, I when I was going through stuff earlier today, I did see Holt's name coming up somewhere. So I think you're on to something there. Okay, and he did say astronomical, which he did, obviously yeah. the yeah. So animals aren't, unless it's constellations. But will we go for that? Go yeah. step Holt's the yeah. planets. Yeah. All right, I'll be. I said unaccepted, so I will. What is the title? That is Mercury. Ah. By oh. Gustav Holst from his Planet Suite. Ah. All right. Two more questions for Red Team. Are you ready? Simply tell me, what nationality was the composer Gustav Holst? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, I just guess. Don't. We just guess. Gustav. A lot of them were. Well, <laughs> there was nothing else to do there, was there? I can say that word, no problem. But, <laughs> but for the record, I didn't write it. <laughs> Go on, uh, throw it out there, because I don't know. Do you? I have a clue, no. no. But I, I, you could probably, based on his name, Gustav. Uh, it wouldn't be. <laughs> you you have that Could country, I, you have Austria, you have yeah, uh, other like, ones like that. Yeah, so. Okay, well, can I get an answer, please? Do you want to go with that one? Yeah, I think so. Hungarian. Hungarian. <laughs> Cross we go. Dan. You know, I think he was English. I think I remember reading this and going, surely not. But it's one of those things where obviously his parents weren't, but okay, I have a I feeling bow, he was born I and raised in England. About your superior knowledge on this, because I have not a clue. That's correct. Yes. <clears throat> in fact, the Holsts had been in England for almost uh, about uh, 70 years ah. by the time. So Gustav, but, uh, I think, was a German. German. Was it, were the German or... Um, Austro-Hungarian. Um, I think so. But uh, it's way back. It was like his grandfather who came to England originally. Right. So, he was well English. Right. Well English. Well English. He was well on. I know that, shouldn't I? Yeah. And uh, final question over here for Brendan and Elaine. Okay, this one is doable now, guys. Oh, come this on. This one is doable. Yeah, I don't know now. I have faith. We actually did have Holtz written down. <laughs> I know, I, as soon as he Ooh. said it, I heard you going, shh. <laughs> <laughs> the Planet Suite is made up of how many movements? Is it... That's just what sprang to mind. I don't know. It might be more. So all I want is a number. The planet's sweet. So I'm happy to go with that because it's the first thing and it sprang to mind. But and often the safest thing is to yeah, do but have you, The only other thing is if it's the planet's sweet, is it basically one of each or a song named after each planet? 
You couldn't be that. I, I'm, I'd I, rather I, go, rather than guess my one, I'd rather go for the first thing that came into your head. Okay, so. we, we, we go for four. Four. It's not, oh. he's got his finger on there. <laughs> and Dan, I think we should go with, with the first, with, with um, Brendan's. Oh, right. What was his first guess? At the number of planets. Mercury. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty. That's the number of planets in 1916. But he might not that's have written a tune for so each one. That's the thing. Did he write one for yeah. Earth, for example? I'm not because Earth is not named after a god. So Ooh, if he didn't, course. and I think I'm right in saying Pluto wasn't discovered by then. So it's probably so, seven. So it could. Well, let's see. So, so seven Mercury, Venus, Mars, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. That's seven, but. Would he have done seven or would he have kept it to a nice round number like six? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. You had a hidden track then. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. Okay, can I push you for an answer, please? I think we should go with seven or eight. I don't think it's eight. Like I said, I'm pretty sure Pluto wasn't discovered then. I'm pretty sure there isn't one for Earth. So that should make it seven. Maybe seven then. Yeah, seven. <laughs> Excellent right. logic. Well done. Well worked out. All right, I'm not going to lie. One team had a very good round there in the audio round. Let's really? Pop, let's pop <laughs> up on that. Let's pop over to Clancy to tell us how that panned out. Blue to 15 points. Red to 6 points. Okay, a bit of a lead, a bit of a lead, but we know who's going first in round four. Back with that in two minutes' time. This is After the Fact, Clamars Community Radio's weekly trivia quiz game. I'm your host, John Nolan, and with me tonight we have four excellent players of the game. After three rounds, the blue team of Anne McLaughlin and Dan O'Malley are on 15 points, uh, while the red team of Brendan Cox and Aaliyah Wright are on six points. Pacing ourselves. (laughs) Off we go to round four. That's our 20 questions round in this round. The team that's in control gets asked a question. If they get it right, they get a point. They also get to keep control of the game, which means they get the next question. Five. This can continue until at most five in a row have been answered correctly, at which point they will have to give control of the game over, but they will get a bonus six point for that achievement. Anytime they give me a wrong answer, though, it will go immediately across. The other side will have a chance for bonus and get the next question. Are you ready for the first question, Sol? That's uh, yes. Brendan Elaine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Which Russian mystic and self-proclaimed holy man who befriended the family of Tsar Nicholas II and gained considerable influence in late Imperial Russia, was killed by a group of conservative noblemen in December. Yeah. yeah. You go, Ned. You go, you go. <laughs> Rasputin. That's correct. There's no dispute in Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> We're off and running. Number two, film question. One of the great masterpieces of the silent era. This three-and-a-half-hour epic... Intercuts four parallel storylines, each separated by several centuries. The film was called Intolerance and was made partly in response to criticism of the director's previous film, The Birth of a Nation. After that, it had been heavily criticised for perpetuating racial stereotypes and glorifying the Ku Klux Klan. Who was the director of both films? The Birth of a Nation sticks in my head, but I can't... um this is one of the great masterpieces of silent era cinema. It's a three and a half hour epic. Intercuts four parallel storylines, each separated by several centuries. It was called Intolerance, and it was made partly in response to criticism of the director's previous film, The Birth of a Nation, which had been heavily criticised for perpetuating racial stereotypes and glorifying the Ku Klux Klan. Who was the director of both movies? These movies made in 1916. Yeah. Uh, intolerance was uh, Birth of a Nation was the year before. Oh, prolific! Oh, they were back in them days. Mm. Okay, you've got twenty know. seconds left. Oh, and I will use all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. Uh, what you want to be doing here is, is holding on to time and letting time run out. I couldn't even think of anything. Go on, say whatever's in your head. <laughs> um, Birth of a Nation. Yes. Have you an answer? No. Okay, we're going to pass it over. <laughs> Anne and Dan, you're getting the next question, but chance of bonus there. Dan, I have an inkling, but I'm not sure if I'm right. Have you anything going on? I do, but let's hear your inkling first. Is this conferring? Yes, of course. Cecil B. DeMille? Uh, actually, I think it might be D.W. Griffith. Okay. Fight. 
Uh, I won't fight you on that because, as I said, mine was a, a poor inkling and yours sounds a little bit more, I think DeMille might have been a I bit mean, later. Okay. Is that your answer so, D.W. Griffith? D.W. Griffith. Yes. It's correct. Phew. Your next question, Anne and Dan. Mm-hmm. Due to World War One, no Summer Olympic Games took place as scheduled in 1916. Which city had been awarded the honour of hosting the 1916 Olympic Games? Yeah. Uh, I think this is the one fact I read today that I managed to stick in my head. Oh, good question. Um, Berlin. Berlin, that's correct. Wow. In August of 1916, who published the Wolf Cubs Handbook, establishing the basis for the junior section of the scouting movement, then known as the Wolf Cubs? Oh, oh, oh. Ah. Uh, surely that must be... Uh, Baden-Powell himself yes that's. I couldn't think of his name yeah uh, yeah, he must be right correct <laughs> yeah deja vu which German car manufacturer was founded in Munich in March of 1916 ooh mm. now I think that this again is confer <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be BMW, not Just Volkswagen. don't do the Brendan of looking straight at me in the eye and going. You know, that that would make a lot of sense. Cause I think it's Irish motor vehicle. I think Bavaria, it's BMW. Yeah, I think Munich it's is, so, yeah, yeah, go for it. I think it's BMW. You think it's BMW? Yeah. You're correct. Nice. That gets you f- to four in the four in a row. <sighs> so can you get this one for a fifth? Which author married Miss Edith Brath? B-R-A-T-T, Brat. Sorry. In Warwick, England, on March 22nd. The marriage lasted right up until her death in 1971, at which point her husband had the word Luthien inscribed on her headstone, that being the character she had inspired. Oh, it has to be your man. It's either it's either your man who wrote Lords of the Rings or your man that wrote uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So, hmm. Yeah. What's, uh, yeah, but which one though? The Luthien was the character name. I'm not sure I recognise that from um, Lord of the Rings. I it could be, it, it could be um, C.S. Lewis, basically yeah, C.S. Narnia Lewis, guy. Then, yeah. Okay, let's could go be. with that. You're going C.S. Lewis. <laughs> We're going across. You're getting control, but you can get a bonus here. Uh, Tolkien. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh, Tolkien is correct. J.R.R. Tolkien. And on his own headstone after he died, he had the word Baron written. They were a famous couple in the Tolkien lore. Your question. In May of 1916, Britain and France concluded the secret Sykes-Picot Agreement, which would be used to divide up the Arab areas in which former empire after the end of World War I. You're looking for the name of the empire. Exactly. In May, Britain and France concluded the secret Sykes-Picot Agreement, which will be used to divide mm. up the Arab areas of which former empire at the end of World War One. Yeah, I those, I, are those the same. Is it, does that relate to that? I think so. Okay, give us an answer, so. please. You seem to have one. Ottoman. Ottoman is correct. Next question: Which actor who would go on to win an Academy Award for his portrayal of Atticus Finch in the 1962 film *To Kill a Mockingbird* was born in April of 1916? Oh. oh, 1916. He was born in oh. 1916. He would go on yeah. to win an Academy yeah. Award for his portrayal of Atticus Finch in the 1962 film To Kill a Mockingbird. Got to hazard a guess. Yes. Gregory Peck. It's a good guess, Brendan. Don't oh, doubt yourself. Guess. Very good. Right, that's three in a row. Which practice, first pr- proposed by British-born astronomer George Hudson in 1895, was first observed in Ireland in 1916, its purpose officially being to save fuel. Oh. Daylight savings time. Oh, he's, uh, he's good stuff. Very good. Very good. That's four. So can we get the five in a row? More than three million men fought in and one million were wounded or killed in which World War I battle, which took place between the 1st of July and the 18th of November, lasting 141 days, on both sides of the upper reaches of a certain river in France, which lends the battle its name. What was that? Give me the stats on the start. Or repeat the question. It was three million men fought in and one million were wounded or killed in this World War I battle. It took place between the 1st of July and the 18th of November. The Battle of the Sun. Is that your answer? That's my answer. 
That's all right. Five in a row and the bonus wheel. <laughs> However, control now goes across. We're coming to get you. No pressure. <laughs> Don't wilt. I can see that. And then, sticking with the Battle of the Somme, it's uh, particularly notable in military history as it saw the first use of which type of technology? I know the answer. Yes. Go on. Tanks. Tanks. She does know the answer. She's not bluffing. Correct. Tanks yes. for what? The first. <laughs> the first for handing for over nothing. control. <laughs> <laughs> the first tank was deployed in the Battle of the Somme. Right. Anne and Dan, which Irish artist widely acclaimed for his evocative portrayed heads of literary figures and fellow artists including William Butler Yeats James Joyce and his friends Samuel Beckett and Seamus Heaney uh-huh. was born in November of 1916 I know the answer yes Louis de Brocky. correct you do Egg, well done Irish author James Joyce published his first full novel in 1916 which book oh. traces the religious and intellectual awakening of the young Stephen Daedalus his own alter ego oh no well I, I mean it must be portrait of an artist as a, as a young it man. It is, yeah. I couldn't think of the name of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. It is. A portrait of the artist as a young man. Okay. That's three. Next one. In September 1916, by what method was Mary, a circus elephant, put to death in the town of Irwin, Tennessee after killing her handler, Walter Eldridge? Oh, dear Lord. That one came out of left field, didn't it? I think I did read this and I do remember it as well. Oh. It's pretty shocking stuff. They've never um, forgotten. I think the elephant was hung. Do you know he did read that? Correctly. He did. He must have read yes, it because I would, you know, logic would say that it was shot, but you know that it had to have been something other than that. The Emperor of Austria died in November of 1916 after a reign of 68 years. What was his name? Simple question. Oh, Christ. Oh. No, that wasn't his name. It's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't um, <laughs> Same as Luciano Pavarotti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thinking out loud. Oh, Christ. Got nothing for this. I, How about you? It's on the, yeah, it's one of those, it's there, but I, it's not coming. Wilhelm was in pick a Germany. Suitably, yeah, a suitably Germanic name. Wilhelm was in Germany at the time. Uh, That's true. So the Emperor of Austria died in November after a reign of 68 years. I think it was Otto. What Do you know was that? His name? I think his name oh, might have been Otto. Go for that, so. I've nothing. I'm afraid it wasn't Otto. Okay, no, I know who it was, yeah. I may be wrong. Yeah. Uh, you may be right. I may be right. Thank you, Franz Billy Joel. Ferdinand first. It was. Franz Ferdinand. Being the Archduke who was assassinated in 1914, which, pro, you know, kicked off World War One. He was a nephew of this man. This man was Franz Joseph. Nearly had it. You had it off, right? Your question, guys. There's only about a minute left. Your question. Okay. In 1916, only one of the Tennis Grand Slam events took place. Which one? Huh. You'd have to guess um, Australia. Australia? Yeah. Dan, I think it was Wimbledon. You think? Mm. Okay. Go for it. I don't know why, because it was obviously America. It was obviously America, because it was nowhere near World War I. Oh. I wasn't oh, in World War I at the time, okay. so the answer uh. was the US Open. Okay. Last question of the day, I think. It's for you guys. Best known for his work set in the Klondike, The Call of the Wild and White Fang. Which author, born John Griffith Cheney in 1876, Died at the age of just 40 in November of 1916. Well, that must be Jack London. What do you think? It, 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 uh, to be honest, it, I don't know. So, yes, go with that. Okay. Jack London? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well done, Jack London. White Fang and Call of the Wild. Of course. All right. That concludes tonight's show. So let's go over and see how the final score stand. We had a good round there. Everyone had a good round. Yeah. Five in a row this side. Very good. Yeah. Let's <laughs> well see. Done. We let's needed see. 20 in a row. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how the score stand with Clancy. Blue team 24 points. Red team 13 points. 24 13. 11. 24 13. Unlucky. Congrats, guys. Unlucky for Red Team. Well done. Thanks, million. Uh, congratulations to Anne and Dan. Good win. Very Thank good. you. Well done, and uh, hard luck to Brendan and Elaine. Thank you. Your time will come. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Will. I don't know. I don't know. I'm losing hope. 
So thank you all for tuning in. Congratulations, as I said, to the blue team. And we will be back next week with another year. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to uh, stay tuned for your little podcast extra coming up. So until then, until next week, all the best and goodbye. Podcast Extra. Okay, I'm just going to get these back. Oh, we have to t- someone toss a coin there because you're level, so I want to know who's going first. Oh, it's okay. I, 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 I only have can notes. go first. It's <laughs> grand. <laughs> Will you toss your plastic or something? I toss. <laughs> Here, hold on. Here, I have one now. Ready? Uh, who, Elaine, you're right in front of me. What, do you want the uh, the Spanish king or do you want the number 20? Oh, 20, please. Okay. Spanish king. Okay. So, Anne and Dan, you can go first. Is that all right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's grand by me, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. I'll now play the uh, sting and we'll be back in. I don't think it makes it. Okay, hard luck. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't... Uh, I, classical music is... I have no interest. Yeah, I, well, I do, but and I... And even, I, even looking today when whatever studying I was doing, I actually thought I was being clever. <laughs> this is where they... And I thought the... Music round is going to be based around the whole motorhead connection. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned a lot more about oh motorhead than oh. I ever knew. Imagine if I had a whole round of motorhead. Oh. <laughs> That'd be funny. Next week on After the Fact. Are you there, James? I, I am here. Right. Right. Yeah. Here's your warm question for tonight. It's an Oscar. We had the Oscars recently, and it's an Oscar-related question. So, um, obviously, hundreds of people have won acting Oscars. 41 people have won two Oscars or more. However, only six people have won three Oscars Mm -hmm. for acting. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go around the table and see if everyone can see who they can get on this list. Only six people Mm -hmm. have won three or more Oscars for acting. So there's Mm -hmm. only six in this list. It's a very short list this week. Unlike the two weeks ago, the spices and... Mm. The spices was difficult. <laughs> last week's... My, my personal choice is Saffron went straight away. Last week's uh, Right Said Fred-related uh, Warren Brown was actually a big success. Yeah. Check yeah. out for that. All right. Okay, Andrew, we're going to start with you. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, correct. Good for you. You're That's right. the only thing I know. <laughs> All right. Jar. <clears throat> oh, God. I'm going to try McDormand. No, she's got two ah, as of this year. Okay. Life gone. James... You're in virtual Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks also won two. Yeah, that was well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Linda? I have an idea of somebody else. Hang on. Um, Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep is correct. That was a good thought. Yep, she's got three. Catherine Hepburn? Yes, Jerry, even though you've skipped the order for oh, some sorry, reason. Sorry, I thought it was it. I thought it was one each. <laughs> well, I used to give two lives in this particular thing. Mm. Anyway, you've got Catherine Hepburn. Okay. Sorry. Andrew, that's been taken off you now. Oh, balls. Um, Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> I'll have to get the bleeping machine out again. Um, oh, Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood, no. Okay. You're gone now. That's your chef's gone. Jer's already done his for this go. James? Um, Al Pacino. No. Can we try Dustin Hoffman? No. Not choice. Mm. All right. Jar yeah. wins. Well Where's done, Jar. <laughs> oh, no. Linda's got one life left. Excuse me. Yeah, You're not out yet. James is out. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. James is out. You're out. How am I out when I, when I have two lights and I got one right? Oh, you're right. You're still in. There you go. Well, there you go. Have a guess there. Yeah, well, you concentrate, John. Have so, a guess. Um, <clears throat> all right, Andrew. <laughs> if you want to be still in, great news. <laughs> <laughs> um, Humphrey Bogart. No. Oh, now you're out. Sorry. Jar. Um, I can't think. Not Al Pacino, the guy who looks like him. <laughs> Go on, for the sake of I'll pass. You're passing. All right. I think James is out. I think James didn't get any right. Yeah, but, but if Jar is passing, sure, I'll take his go. Okay, go on, so. <laughs> Judy Dench. No. Oh. Linda. Okay, I'm going to try... I think Linda's won it now. Sandra Bullock? You think what? Sandra Bullock has three Oscars? <laughs> what? Yes. what are you saying to me? She doesn't. Okay, Sandra well. Bullock? Okay. She doesn't. She doesn't. Right, well, fine. tell us who does then, because obviously. What? You could have said Catherine Hepburn out on top there with four Oscars. You got that. 
Daniel Lewis has three. Meryl Streep has three. Jack Nicholson has three. Oh, Ingrid Bergman. Three. And at the end there, Walter Brennan. Was he? He was an actor. Obviously, because he's won three Oscars. Three Oscars back before 1940. Okay. After his Kilkenny hurling days. (laughs) Walter (laughs) Brennan for (laughs) Kilkenny.